some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. And my name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And my name is Riff Connor. And you're listening to Bonfire Side Chat Appendix, uh, Cursed Second Favorite. <laughs> and this week we are reading your responses to uh, to No Man's Wharf. And as you Yay! heard, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it's a, it is an awesome area. And uh, we are joined again by an awesome guest. Thank you so much for sticking around, Riff. Well, thanks for having me stick it's, around. It's been a whole week. How have you been sustaining yourself? <laughs> See, I, I've been I've been licking the underside of this table <laughs> <laughs> for gum residue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for human lichen. Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I have enough problems with like flora and fauna being on the surfaces around me without throwing lichen into the, into the mix. Here. <laughs> well, there's lichen everywhere. Cole, I know. So. there's lichen where you are right now (laughs) lichen you know i i can i can i I can know it gary but i don't have to liken it yeah yeah well next time i see you in person i'm gonna get you drunk and tattoo lichen backwards on your forehead (laughs) so (laughs) so a constant reminder whenever you're in front of a mirror (laughs) oh man I'll tell you what you'll like it. Um, <laughs> so, so as, as usual, we begin, we, we begin with the things we were either wrong about or things that we missed. Yeah, indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I'll get us started here with Take mm-hmm. um, via contact. Yep. And uh, he says, Chris Fallen Salden uh, also gives another item if you meet certain conditions. I found this out in a funny way. I was checking the death plaque offline to see how many times I died. I had just broken 100 deaths, so since he was there, I talked to him to see if there was any new dialogue. And his response was basically something along the lines of, I see you've died a bunch of times. Maybe you should wear this ring of steel protection. And he gives me the ring. It was a perfect mix of the game being both helpful and condescending. But yeah, if you die 100 times, he gives you that ring in dialogue. (laughs) Good to know. Yeah, definitely. I I forgot to mention that because that same thing totally happened to me. Yeah, I kind of, I, he, I think there's kind of a priority to what triggers and I did come back and talk to him. But when I talked to him, I got the soul vessel and didn't talk to him again. Like if I would mm. talk to him again, I probably would have got the, the ring of steel protection because I probably did die a hundred times. Yeah. Um, but I don't, uh, I didn't have that encounter. So, yeah. And I, I just picked it up on one of my, uh, you know, mass effect inspired, uh, you know, just Roomba runs, uh, yeah. trying to get as much dialogue as possible. Yeah. Cool. And I have to say, just in general, like, you know, calling out particular contributors, like Take brings the heat, like, every week. Yeah, so, that guy's great. Yeah, like, he, he drops some science on us in a very real way. So thank you, Take. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Take. Yeah. Uh, Zane says via the contact forum, I was wondering about the Blue Sentinel Covenant's placement in the Blue Cathedral. Do they also stand against the tide of darkness and decay? Or are they like the Anor Londo of old, uh, appearing to be defenders of the meek, but hiding dark secrets? You mentioned Maulin running into trouble with them, but I haven't finished the game and don't know the whole story. On a mechanical note, their utility might be improved if they could also help players against NPC Red Phantoms. I suspect that they will become more useful as time goes on and more new players join and need help, since right now the game is still new and may overrepresent experienced players. Having looked at the uh, the distribution of uh, of stats, kind of like and levels on that uh, far fire, which is uh, which is really um, you know educational at the very least, it seems like <laughs> so it's 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 a nice little like bell curve, like you know, like an upended like you know most people are like middle level, and then there's a massive spike at one fifty, 
which I mm-hmm. think is where the majority of people end up for their that, first that's playthrough. The PV- no, that's the PvP uh, standard right now. Is it? 150? Yep. Wow, yep. That's really high. It only seems high because, I mean, soul levels are different in Dark Souls. Like, yeah. everyone on Facebook, the first like week this week, I was, everyone's like, man, I feel like I'm over-leveling like crazy, but the mm-hmm. game isn't getting too easy. And so, so, it just has a different curve and it's longer, guys. Yeah, I guess I was like, even on the second playthrough, I was like at like level 35 or 40 by the time I got to, uh, you know, Hades. So, yeah, that's right. Yeah, 150 is the accepted uh, kind of cat or mean right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. Yeah, so that makes sense. Yep, I don't know. I, w- I would like to see how this evolves. Like, I-, I would I would like to think that on the PC version, like, a lot of that PC and online stuff would even out, you know, especially since, I don't know, just that always seemed to be better on that platform. Yeah, well, and the fact that um, with connectivity fix, we know they can manipulate that. Yeah. So could they manipulate that likelihood of invasion? Yeah. You know, and likelihood of uh, summoning blue sentinels? Like, it'd be neat. Yeah, and it's just weird because I think that the likelihood of blue sentinels is directly affected by the likelihood of red sentinels. Yeah, not red right. sentinels, but you know the 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 blood bros, and yep. uh, and just how infrequent those are, and just how little that calls on you. Yeah, and I, I will be the outcry against that has been so strong. I will be really surprised if that's not adjusted at some point. Yeah, like I, I think that we will see a change of that. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. it's the. Um the the question of if they if they just appear to be defenders of the meek but are hiding dark secrets is interesting in light of some things that we talked about last week uh, <laughs> uh about how they they might be tied to the to the smugglers in no man's wharf mm-hmm. but uh, also in a sort of meta way in that the uh the blue covenant uh, the blue protectors have a really huge reputation as being real shitty gankers uh, on on Reddit. What? Oh, yeah. Elaborate, please. Uh, just generally, um, I mean, maybe ganking isn't so much the the right word because it's not like they're doing anything really underhanded. But the PVPers on Reddit tend to get a bit shirty with people that like cast uh, chaos firestorm on you as you're spawning in or run away and behind a corner to heal and things like that. And so the, there is an outcry of people who feel like the, the protectors are not fighting honorably. Mm. You know what? And I think that makes a certain degree of sense too, because you get an access to more cracked blue eye orbs very early on than you ever have any access to red eye orbs. So the idea that uh, you know, people can start invading earlier, like right mm. from the beginning, uh, kind of holds true. And you know, there's a direct correlation between how early can you invade, and also how quickly do you begin being a complete shit heel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's that uh, PvP honor, mm-hmm. you know, thing too. Like I could see that that being. I was wondering whether it was going to be um, they were using like life brain life drain patch and shit, mm. which like the, you know those spells that can affect your friends. Uh, which if you uh, were on our Facebook, which you should be, um, there's a hilarious video about uh, about that, you know, getting summoned in to help somebody and then just uh, life drain patching the fuck out of them because it hurts everybody. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, trusty patches, trusty life drain patch. <laughs> um, but also, as we mentioned, uh, Moglin explicitly says that they're hiding a dark secret, yeah. you know, uh, back in his homeland. And that could be like a different sect. It doesn't mean that the blue sentinels are uniformly shit heels, mm-hmm. um, but at least uh, where he comes from. But like, like the like the, the the covenant that is explicitly about protection, running a protection racket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. nice. I mean, no, no, absolutely. Like, I mean, they could be, you know, shitty in general. They just don't, I guess, like, the fact that this isn't a mer- mercantile sim means they don't have any opportunity to do that for you. Even though, imagine the Blue Sentinels working perfectly, but they got to take, like, an item of their choice from your inventory oh, or something. Shit. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, you summoned them to defend you and they took half your souls. <laughs> yeah, their, like, yeah. feather. Yeah, that's a, that's amazing. That's a cool, that's rough. Um Riff, do you want to read uh, Ryan's comment? Sure. Uh, Ryan, via email, says, I have a quick question about the house in Majula with the map in the basement. Has anyone else noticed all of the strange noises while in the house? This is even after killing the skeleton. I have searched the entire place and can't find the source of the noises. I think what he is probably referring to is the piggies. <laughs> or the first and worst boss in the game. <laughs> I this is this is actually pretty funny. The I made it all the way through the tutorial area without dying. Got to uh Missoula and started wandering around looking and oh look, piggies. Oh, ow, ow, god. Backpedal into the pit. And then I got the achievement, this is Dark Souls. <laughs> that, that is wonderful. <laughs> those guys the, have you guys found the pig shield yet yes. yeah the porcine shield yeah a strangely porcine shield the pig head <laughs> looks eerily authentic but it is an imitation not genuine pig <laughs> though the shield's defensive capacity is ordinary it may spook an unsuspecting foe because of what happened to riff <laughs> <laughs> yes Tony man dark souls 2 humor yep <laughs> sign shield like that that totally seems like one of the fan submitted shields but that sounds like something that from did because they knew they would have pigs <laughs> yeah yeah. Or, and, and you know just for fashion souls like people are going to use it mm-hmm. because it's stupid <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, um yeah. yeah, yeah. I think the noises are the pigs. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but even even still, I you know, I I, I don't want to miss any opportunity to call out how awesome the ambient sounds in Dark Souls are. Mm. Oh um, sure. Specifically, you uh, you linked that one was it Arcane Kids or whatever. Yeah, the uh, same the, guys who did Bubsy 3D. <laughs> yeah. yeah, who took the uh, like they, they they found what is it YouTube videos and just made uh, sites where you could listen to ambient noise from Dark Souls on loop. Yeah, anywhere on Dark Souls One, you can just kind of click a random area, and you'll get mm-hmm. their ambient noise. Totally listen to listening to that while riding at work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and even uh, I, I'd used uh, the old audio hijack on the previous episode because I couldn't find any like any music for uh, for Hades. I, uh, I under Lucatiel's dialogue, I took Ash Lake uh, ambient hmm. sound and put it under her uh, under her uh, voice. Hmm. That sounds yeah. super handy for like uh, for a tabletop RPG. Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's a cool idea. Yeah, yeah. that is neat. Uh, so, Sean, we already read his uh, his his response in the main episode. Uh, he was the one who wrote in about uh, the interpretation for the timey wiminess being hollow, uh, mm-hmm. or you know the the, the the hollowing process, which basically wasteiness. Yes, yes. Sorry. Get 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 your wasties and and wiseys and wimies <laughs> straight. Get your wasties and wimies in line. Right. The. Uh, but I, I will, so I will, I will move on to actual responses about uh, No Man's Wharf, starting with Doug. Um, Doug says via contact, No Man's Wharf has to be one of my favorite areas at any Souls game. I love the theme, the way the enemies work together, uh, getting covered with oil and then shot at with fire arrows, and how cool it was when the ghost ship rolls in. The boss is kind of lame, but on the whole, I love everything about it. This was the zone where Dark Souls 2 finally grabbed me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not tons of ad, but agreed. Yeah. 
Even like, though, I mean, I liked like Sundry, but yeah, yeah, like, like, I, the, I didn't find him. The lame bosses complain is one that I hear a lot. You know, it pops yeah. up on the Facebook uh, thing every once in a while, and you know, and although like on a guttural level and just on a uh, you know, just like holy shit level, like you know, the HSQ, the holy shit quotient is a little bit lower in this. Like, mm-hmm. the, like the fights are a little bit more cerebral in this game than just like thing huge, kill huge thing. Me feel huge yeah. for killing huge go, thing. Go, go, yeah, go to things butt and stab it. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, there's mean, a little bit under- less of that. I can understand being something that uh, being that it's something that's so directly influenced by Berserk mm-hmm. that to to miss having like all the crazy ass demons uh, type monsters from that. Yeah, you know, is is yeah. is understandable. They could have, they could certainly have done a lot more of. Cause, I mean, they did a little of that because this guy and the the um, covetous demon and so on. But yeah, uh, yeah you, it really you is a lot of. Games, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but you saying that also means that the other games did a better job of giving you that body horror type crazy demon design. Mm. Oh, for sure. Like, I don't think there's any disagree. I just, mm-hmm. and, and this is one of those things that's similar to that, uh, the spacey wastiness where it's like, if you don't like it, that's okay. Mm-hmm. As you know, on the record, favorite fight is Artorias. Like I like the, the duels, mm-hmm. you know, it like works. It's mechanically really fun for me. Yeah. You know, a lot of these bosses. So, but yeah, it's not wrong. Like as far as spectacle or design, it's not as strong, I think, in yeah. most of the bosses. I just, I think that despite my better angels, I'm a real big fan of, of spectacle. And I can, I can totally talk about and I can totally appreciate and enjoy and love these, uh, the, the, these little fights. But I can see where people are coming from on a first blush, yeah. first blush yeah. level. You know? the, I mean, I, I, can, I can see it. The, the thing, the example I always think is like, do we need more gaping dragons? <laughs> we really don't. No, like that, <laughs> no because that fight, is, that fight looks so good, mm-hmm. but plays so shitty. And yeah. like, that's what happens when you have a, a boss that is that much bigger than you. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, I you mean, know, they were never that good. Like, they were never, you know, or like Seath or any of the, the, the huge guy fights mm-hmm. in, in the first game are not that great. Oh, yeah. Like, as real. far as I mean, fights like, go, like, they look cool, but they're not very fun to play yeah like, like like storm king is more of a great tone piece like the you yeah know, the, the iron golem is only neat because of the arena that you're fighting him in right right you know right, right. like 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 totally totally I agree and the best that. fights in the first one are like artorias and ornstein mm-hmm. and smo and like the one in taurus demon and and uh capra demon like there are basically the human-sized things mm-hmm. that you're fighting that way like are the better fights mm-hmm you know, yes, they're maybe not as cool looking, but they are more fun to play. So, like, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not trying. I know you just said that, like, the spectacle <laughs> is, you know, I'm not discounting what you're saying. But, like, it's just I feel like that's never brought up when people are complaining about the human oh, size enemy. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's like, you know, know this is saying, like, if they were saying, I wish that things hit me in the gut as much as they hit me in the head. Which I yeah. think the Dark Souls 2, you know, bosses hit you in the head a lot. You know, in Flexile Century, we didn't talk about, like, cool, four swords. We, we talked about, like, <laughs> oh, this is something that is you know, designed specifically to punish you for, you know, falling into an old tactic, right? Right. Like, the, like the, that hits you in the head, whereas, you know, something like even in this game, like, you know, Freya hits you in the gut. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, so, maybe, again, maybe like, the- if it's a... Oh, well, I was just going to say, maybe in the next one they'll find that good balance between yeah. uh, visual interest and tactical interest. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it, they they do degree. You know, there are bosses in all the games that do, mm-hmm. and then bosses in all the games that don't. Yeah, you know, um, I don't think they've found a balance for every boss in any of the games. It's like a dynamic range thing, almost, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Agreed. 
So looking at the actual responses about No Man's Wharf, uh, mm-hmm. continuing rather, Levi via the contact forum says, I hated this area initially. The combination of darkness, rickety walkways, and the mixture of oil pots and fire arrows and the creepy, quote, graveyard shift bat monsters instantly brought me back to my first time in Blighttown. I think graveyard shift is referring to the Stephen King uh, story? Mm-hmm. Yes, I believe so. On my first playthrough, I came back here to revisit Gavlin to sell some gear for mm-hmm. souls. After an hour of relentless dying and getting lost, I finally found myself in the room where Gavlin should be, only to find that he wasn't there. Fuck the wharf, I said. (laughs) Soon after, I was summoned by a player there. When I came into this world, I was shocked to find it illuminated. I sent him a message, and he showed me the location of the lockstone, and suddenly, I was okay with the wharf. (laughs) (laughs) Lit up like the 4th of July. Mm-hmm. Light is a, definitely a treasure there. Oh, <laughs> definitely. Huh. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah. a good story. Mm-hmm. Riff, what's Mike say? Uh, Mike says via contact, No Man's Wharf seems like the most out-of-place portion of this game. I still can't figure out its lore significance and why the pirate ship from the Goonies eventually <laughs> takes you to the back doors of the Lost Bastille. Ultimately, it's not a very fun place. The enemy collection is limited and uninteresting, and the boss battle is equally as rote. I'm not really sure what to make of this place, but I'm looking forward to your thoughts on it. I I can't agree with any of that. (laughs) Well, as you heard, we really liked it. (laughs) Yeah. We drew drew a little bit of a lore significance just because of the areas that this this zone abuts. Well, and just also the Flexile Century description Mm -hmm. stuff is where I like a lot of that lore... Yeah, stuff does come from. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, it, like to the point, it is an area that is not forward facing in the grander Dark Souls story in that it only speaks to the infrastructure that was there in the past. It is not something that plays a part in what you're going to do in the future. Mm-hmm. Right. So I can yeah. see that being a little bit unsatisfying. Yeah. You know, unlike some areas like, you know, like later, like the Dragonary and and, you know, they kind of cast light on things that you've already done. This is really like this. It's like exploring an abandoned amusement park. Yeah. You're you know, like the, this is. Yeah. You've seen the vestiges. It's almost detective work in a way. Like seeing yeah. like how did this society, you know, break down as things got worse and worse. Right. Right. And but not how. But the answer to that does not lend itself to how you're going to move forward at all. Right. Which is fine. Like, it's still interesting, but, like, maybe that's yeah. what you're picking up on when you yeah. say that it doesn't have very much lower significance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really like the having that sort of background detail, though. Yeah. No, me too. Yeah, I, I like that a lot, too. And at that point, um, it just becomes, you know, how tolerant are you of, you know, from using, you know, space in this game to do something that doesn't move the actual plot forward. Right. Right, right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark says, via contact, I have a few comments on No Man's Wharf. Firstly... All of the previous areas open into glorious, sunny outdoor areas. In stark contrast, No Man's Wharf opens to a cave that is darker than the tunnel you emerge from. (laughs) It really sets the mood of the area from the outset. Secondly, I think light is used really well here, especially how a simple torch can turn a menacing Darkstalker into a cowering wimp. Despite complaints that Fram eased up on the darkness levels in Dark Souls 2, I think that still really works well here. Lastly, I enjoy the challenge presented by the lack of bonfire or major shortcut to the boss. Increase the tension throughout the level. When I finally made it to the fog door, I was out of spells and down to one Estus. Knowing how tough the trip back would be, I stood in the water in front of the fog gate, rifling through my inventory to determine a strategy (laughs) that didn't require using a homeward bone, something I wouldn't have done if the bonfire was right there. 
Uh, thankfully, I had some herbs that restore spell uses, so I used one of those and managed to beat the Flexile Sentry by kiting it around the room using every one of the restored spells. <laughs> Such a great feeling to do that while literally running on empty. Uh, my joy was short-lived, though, as before heading to the Lost Bastille, I decided to go back and use the souls gained to upgrade my Pyromancy Flame and promptly walked into the water in the dark. Oh, no! Oh. <laughs> uh, sorry to laugh at you but that is really funny <laughs> yeah i think running on empty is like a thesis for this area actually yeah Definitely. yeah mm-hmm. to the point about the the torch i i kind of feel um not not let down but i kind of feel like i i missed out a little bit on the experience of this area by getting that lockstone lit up uh, so early on, because uh, I, I spent very little time wandering around in the dark in here. I wonder if maybe it wouldn't have been more effective, although harder on a new player, if the if the lock had been like nearer to the bell. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like the the actual midpoint of the of the zone. But anyway. Yeah, I don't know. Like I just like the, the, this area to me just tells me like that the the torch is almost a vestigial thing in this game. Like they, that, that, that it was something that they initially developed around, but it, like it, it, it quickly lost relevance because be, I, I got more of like for a, so or, long. Sorry. Sorry. It, like it, it became a gimmick area for a couple or gimmick gimmick item for a couple areas rather than it yeah. was supposed to be for everything. Like I still think it's useful here and it might just be my bad eyes or my TV adjustment. Like maybe I didn't adjust my TV well enough, but I still like to hear. And I think it's essential in the gutter. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, and those are the areas that really, emphasize it mm-hmm. yeah and maybe my opinion would be different like when i got to the gutter like on my first character which was a sorcerer i just used cast light so yeah. like in general i think by the time i ended the game i had about seven hours of torch even <laughs> cast light lasts like a lot uh shorter amount of time than it does in dark souls one though true like significantly less like cast light will get you through all of tomb of the giants but it will not get you through all of the gutter yeah so mm-hmm. yeah yeah, but uh, but again, running on empty. Uh, I really like that story about coming back right from the brink, and you know the details that he gives in his story kind of imply that this was you know he was a caster build, which put him right in a really good spot for the flexile century. But if he knew that, he wouldn't have gone in with the expectation that like I could win or lose this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let's see here. I want to read the Just Funnin' because it has a lot of Welsh names in it, and I don't want to put you through that riff, so why don't you read what Matt says, Riff? Cool. Okay. Um, <laughs> Matt says via contact, as I, was wor- <clears throat> as I was working my way through No Man's Wharf, I was reminded of how you guys have often talked about whether or not spaces look lived in, and that From had done a great job of capturing that feel here. I eventually started to wonder about the lives of the undead living here, and put together a backstory slash theory in my head for them. It won't hold up to even casual scrutiny, but the theory I came up with amused me, so I thought I would share it. Don't let that stop you, ever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Uh, Progressing through No Man's Wharf was just like walking through the kitchen living room of my house in college the morning after my roommates threw a party and everyone was hungover. There were bodies of people passed out in random places that were angered by you waking them. The lights had been turned off everywhere as to not upset people. A few people I don't recognize are sitting around the table drinking what I imagine to be coffee in the dark across from the Ferris's lockstone slot. You had a you had a Ferris lockstone in your college apartment. And the party boat has somehow been lost and needs to be retrieved. <laughs> 
Under this theory, the undead in No Man's Wharf are also eternally stuck in that morning after hangover, which I feel fits well with the overall purgatory <laughs> vibe of the game. <laughs> That's awesome. I love the idea of hangovers being purgatory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like, the, um, yeah I, I like that a whole lot. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Before um, before you read the Just Fun and One, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter on our Facebook page sent something to the messages, and I thought he had sent it into contact, but he did not. Okay. Um, and I and I want to read it. it is uh, it is good. Um, so Peter says uh, via Facebook, <clears throat> if it's not too late to write in about the old Dragon Slayer, I wanted to add some lore perspective to the discussion. During the last episode, I was very intrigued by the speculation that Ornstein and Smoke could have been illusions created by Gwendolyn. I spent a long time uh, during my first playthrough trying to reconcile Ornstein's two appearances in the Dark Souls games, and this theory rekindled my interest in the matter. I re-examined the fight with the old Dragon Slayer, and in subsequent playthroughs, I noticed one important detail to support this theory that I don't recall being mentioned in the podcast. In the Dragon Slayer battle, when you get to the Dragon Slayer, or when you get the Dragon Slayer down to about a quarter health or so, he will pause for a moment to catch his breath allowing the player to get a few easy hits. It reminded me somewhat of the battle with our tragically mortal friend, Great Wolf Sith, uh, when he limps near the end of the battle in pain and exhaustion. This exhaustion is something I never saw in Dark Souls with Ornstein and Smo, or any of the other bosses, and seems deliberately designed for this fight. It leads me to believe that the old Dragon Slayer is indeed a mortal person, and likely a very old person who has long passed his prime as a warrior. The Ornstein and Smoke you fight in the first game never tire in this fashion, and I think this is interesting evidence for Ornstein being an illusion and the old Dragon Slayer being the real knight of storied lore. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Any opportunity that they can take to build pathos into the boss fights is something that I really love. And and just the idea of this, you know, admittedly what is probably the equivalent of a god being exhausted by trying to fight you and, Mm -hmm. you know, having fallen from what you know him to have been before – um, it's pretty sad. And again, it gets to that dignity that uh, Miyazaki uh, talked about in the original Design Works book, right? Yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. yeah I, I like that, that theory a lot. Humanizes or, or invokes sympathy for these uh, for these characters is, is definitely a, a plus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I like that. I like that touch a lot. And also just confirmation by, like, it supports <laughs> something I already believe. Of course I like it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yay! <laughs> yeah. Good job, Rom. Yeah, yeah. You're okay for now. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Cole, wow us with these pronunciations. Well, I I, I read a couple of them out loud, and I listened to a couple on YouTube, but why don't we just go? So (laughs) this is the Just Fun In section. You know, we're we're just doing stuff for fun. But Aaron Casagrande, uh, via a comment on uh, on our uh you know episodes you know like for this one if you want to leave a comment on uh you know anything we say it's just duckfeed.tv slash bsc slash uh, i believe this is 38 um or 38a it's totally simple right uh but uh we do uh, read stuff from the comments so but he says this would probably have been more appropriate for the forest episode but i've only just come across this podcast thank you and welcome to the yeah, fold, welcome. Aaron. yeah we're, we're really happy you are now that. our student <laughs> <laughs> you shall be our new pupil. <laughs> anyway, I believe the mythology of Lordran was in some part loosely based on Welsh folklore, ignoring the etymology of Gwyn and his kids. There are a number of parallels between the Mabinogian and Dark Souls 1 and 2. Mabinogian. There we go. Uh, for example, the story of Gwyn Apnud, uh, a lord of Wales, who was forced into a quest to bring order to the underworld. The main thing I want to talk about is the story between uh, uh, the story of Branwen Ferclir, 
if you've seen the Disney film The Black Cauldron, well, the movie is based upon a book based on this story. The basic plot is that the King of Wales, Bran the Blessed, marries the sister of Branwen off to an Irish king. When news of her, mistreat- of her mistreatment meets Bran, he leads an army across the sea to fight the King uh, Malthowich. Mathulch. There we go. Mathulch. Uh, man, Welsh is just a nonsense language of fake people. Um, sorry. To denigrate an entire country. But yeah, that's what you are. It's Especially all... to somebody who knows it pretty well. It's all consonants. It might very well be, be Welsh. Yes. Sorry, Aaron. <laughs> it's you all better con- in sorcery if Use you vowels. to make fun of you. Use vowels. That's all I'm asking of you. All right. I really don't mean that. It's totally cool, and I appreciate this, and that's why I included it. Stop apologizing. Okay. Go. Uh, the reason I feel that this is relevant is because a number of possibly superficial uh, similarities. The first is that Bran is is a giant. Uh, the second is because of the Black Cauldron itself. The war itself is between the giants of Wales and the Irish undead, who, when slain, would wake up inside the cauldron simply to fight and die once more. Finally, after the cauldron is destroyed, after the war is, quote, won— Nobody comes out ahead here. The seven survivors of the battle live in a world where time is broken for 80 years. I don't actually know how any of this is relevant, but I feel it is. And if not, hopefully it was at least interesting. It was very interesting. Yeah, that's fascinating, yeah. actually. Thanks, Aaron. Yeah. I, I read those books, um, the Lloyd Alexander uh, books. The um, And I have like a really nice collected edition that I bought from Powell's. It's like a early, like the first collected one with all of them, like really early printing, um, the Black Cauldron books. And those are great. Those are very good young adult fantasy novels. Um, and, and like the way that young adult novels, like now, you know, young adult novels are kind of too good. You know, like it is, it is too, like I feel like young adult, like the last time I tried to read a modern young adult novel, it felt like a pitch for a film. <laughs> and this was back when they were a little dorkier and, and more innocent, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's very interesting. Yeah. Um, and it gives me at least some stuff to search for because I'm always interested in those uh, for, for as much as I made fun of the Welsh there um, and those kind of like non-traditional mythologies um, yeah. kind of rose up and just that this is really interesting folklore that might have informed a thing that I really, really love. It is awesome to have that brought to my attention. Yeah, yeah. that's a hell of a parallel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, thank you, everybody, mm-hmm. for submitting your comments. Um, if you have comments, you can go to the actual episode, as Cole mentioned earlier, or you can just go to uh, duckfeed.tv forward slash contact, mm-hmm. share that with us, or the Facebook group, which we mentioned earlier. Um, we encourage you to do so, as uh, next week we are talking about uh, The Lost Bastille. Yeah. The whole thing, not just the part you can get to right now. Um, yeah. And we're going to be joined by Phil Caller from polygon.com. Um, you know, and what I will say, because we, you know, because of the timey wiminess with, uh, travel schedules and all, um, we're recording this episode a little bit earlier than usual. So we gave you less time. If there's stuff about, you know, Dead Man's Wharf, we'll, you know, we'll read it and include it likely, mm-hmm. um, in the next one, uh, you know, just so long as, uh, you know, things work out, but, uh, but yeah, um, we will take those as well. So don't feel afraid to write in. Yeah. Um, Riff, where can people, uh, check you out? Uh, well, I'm, uh, I've, I've asked for to, behind the curtain. I've asked Riff that question three times tonight because we recorded <laughs> on all the things at once. So, and we've all been game about acting like I hadn't, but I'm ripping off I, the bail. I, I have, I have legitimately been slightly surprised every time it came up. <laughs> yeah. I have, I have not yet been ready for the question. Uh, I uh, thought you were just doing an amazing job acting. <laughs> surprised. <laughs> oh, well, well, since you like clockwork. Um, uh, <laughs> uh at twitter i'm uh at rifflesby and the uh the game that i write uh silly dialogue and 
quest stuff for is kingdomofloathing.com. And uh, I'm one-third of the podcast um, Video Games Hot Dog at videogameshotdog.com or on iTunes. Mm-hmm. And once again, I will re- reiterate, it is awesome to have you on here. I'm a huge fan. Yeah, it's and, been uh, awesome to, to do this. This has been a ton of fun. Yeah. If you guys ever need like another uh, substitute or whatever, let me know. Cool. I'm down. Cool. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, if anything uh, else pops up, we'll keep that in mind. This has mm-hmm. been very fun. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we uh, we have been recording for a long time, so we could uh, do just a, a bridge version of the admin. Yeah, yeah. I think um, kind of first and foremost and new. Um, if you feel like supporting the network in a uh, very concrete way that will win you our additional and dying love, if you go to uh, duckfeed.tv forward slash tip jar, um, we have started a Patreon. And there is a Patreon link there. Um, as little as a dollar a month makes a huge difference. I don't want to sound like a Sally Struthers, you know, mm-hmm. ad, but it really does. Like if uh, you know, a, a small proportion of people who listen to the show were willing to do that, that would let us, you know, go do like the live show that we want to do with Watch Out for Fireballs and uh, and just uh, you know help us kind of make the shows better and keep doing what we're doing. Because mm-hmm. uh, you know we we love doing it, but we also we put a, a lot of work into the network, and uh, yeah. yeah. So we we like the idea of there being an avenue for. For that, if you are if you are able, and we're not, you know, the shows are always going to be free. Yep. We're not holding anything ransom. So uh, if you're unable to, we still love you. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. But they'll love you more. <laughs> well, mean, one of the it's... things you should have learned from your parents is that there are degrees of love. Yes. <laughs> when your parents tell you that they love you all equally, they're definitely lying. And now that I'm old enough to have many friends that have kids, I know that to be true. <laughs> there are these things called conditions. Love... Yeah. <laughs> parents do not love their kids equally. They tend to love one more than another. Yeah. Just throwing that out there, connected to what I was just talking about or not, but it is true. <laughs> we we love doing these shows. You love listening to them. We're hoping on their, you loving listening to them more than we love doing them, and that gives us money. And it is equal to $12 a year. So yeah. that is that is our hope. Yep. It is a very delicate math. Yeah. And you get stuff too. It's not just yeah, like yeah, yeah. So we and you can go to the page and check it all out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and there's mm-hmm. cool stuff. It's like access and you know all that kind of yeah. stuff. You know, yeah, yeah. Yep. So mm-hmm. if 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 you even take a moment to go look at that and you know express your interest in doing it, we will be undyingly grateful to you because your time is also worth a great deal to you. And if you yeah. like us enough to even think about it, that is super cool. Yep, we appreciate it. And that gives you one more unit of love. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and at the end of every year, you can tally these up for love points. And you can <laughs> redeem them for either love a bucks. mustache comb or a Tootsie Roll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, duck feed wheel, duck feed deal. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> I feel like we've underlined that enough. We have plenty of other shows, um, which if you are not familiar with them, go to duckbee.tv and just look at the big roster and uh, check it out because there's there, there's a lot of good stuff there that we're very proud that we have made. Indeed. And for the right now, check out some deleted scenes that happen right now. Govlan will. <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying Kumbasa. It should be plays praise the sun. We, we switched to Mbasa for <laughs> Abject Suffering, too, for the most I, part. Mbasa is just the universal. My friend Zach, who only listens to Abject Suffering when we don't talk about games, uh-huh. asked me, he's like, what the fuck is Mbasa? <laughs> yeah, this, I just realized this is the chance that I get to ask you what the hell that means. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, yeah no, it's, uh, it, it is the praise the sun of uh of dark of uh demon souls rather oh okay yeah, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It it is the uh, the chant. It is the ohm. It is the mantra of the of uh, the worshippers of the uh, what is the equivalent of the Christian God in Demon Souls. Gavlan deal. Cool. Yeah, we we try we we record a full length practice run before we do anything. <laughs> yeah. So I, I hope you I hope you got a couple more hours left. In. Yeah. That well, that's so all right. I get to tell the story about the homeward bone again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Boy, do you? And we get to hear it again. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to react exactly the same way. Did, did I did, like? Like, did, did I sound like just enlightened enough at that? Like, did I? Did I see things? That <laughs> oh, I see that, that was good. That from was from good. a new perspective. Okay, cool. So I'll try and do that again the next time. Yeah, yeah, just I, a little I, bit, yeah. I got some notes here for you for your intonations. <laughs> can it can it be more of an oh instead of an oh? <laughs> <laughs> I know the scriptwriter probably didn't put enough, like you know, just uh, context in there for you on that one. But uh, you know, that, that's what erasers are for, right? Gavlan will. That, that that's the uh, that's the nice thing about working with somebody else from a podcast is that they that they have <laughs> yeah the, uh, the, the facilities to do that if the if the if the need arises. So we can use all of our specific pod jargon. Yes, we can. Like how uh, how, how many. Uh, loads did you get this week on your sods <laughs> how many loads on your sods how many loads on your sods bros <laughs> uh, that sounds dirty <laughs> you know i just the, the, you know the list count is up and that's yeah. that's 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 pretty good or, or pg as i'm you know as we say in the pod business yeah <laughs> PG. Oh, pod people yeah. oh, i love loads um, <laughs> Gavlan deal. Trying to pretend that I don't live in the middle of a burning desert. Mm. <laughs> oh and, yeah, it's uh, getting to be about that time, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I, I don't like to complain, so it's doing all right. Hmm. Cool, cool, cool. cool. Yeah, I've got um a good buddy um, Nick who does some shows on that work is from. Um, you guys are out in um, Arizona, correct? Yeah. Yeah, he's he's Phoenix he's from there. Yep. So mm-hmm. he told me some tales about desert bears and <laughs> sand corn and everything, and I just I just believe all of it. Corn. <laughs> I just believe everything. Scorpions. Oh yeah. shit! <laughs> oh my yeah. god! I'm just imagining a cob of scorpions now. <laughs> skeet. It's a skeet. <laughs> There's the kind of mesquite flavor. We call it. Those are Tex-Mex. Crunchy. Butter, yeah. up some, butter up some corn. Some spawns. Yeah. Some, uh, some spawns. Yeah, some yawns. <laughs> Scopions. Oh, okay. All right. So the beginnings of something that won't ever be a thing, but somehow combining scorpions with onions. Scorpion mm-hmm. onions? Scorpions. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Or uh, scorpion. Uh, uh, you peel the skin <laughs> off the scorpion, and there's a slightly smaller scorpion, <laughs> yeah, like a more oily, uh, less <laughs> like a don't, scorpion pup. Don't, don't they already molt? Yeah. Uh, there we go. Uh, so every they also make you cry. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. Just thinking about them theoretically. Yeah. Or or cutting them up yeah. if they're your pet. Such a tragic beast. You feel bad. You had to do it to save it. it. Yeah. <laughs> well, like it, like it got bit by a zombie scorpion in one of the pincers. Like, oh, right oh, our only hope is to amputate. Yeah, <laughs> the only way to Sorry, save Jimmy, the... We're gonna have to put old Yeller down <laughs> with the Z venom, and then you find out it doesn't make a difference <laughs> <laughs> at the end of episode. But yeah, five. You know that that makes me think though. Like, 
right now, scorpions, if there were zombie scorpions, I would fear them no more or no less. That's true. Like, that, would ha- that would have no impact on my life. If there was one species that I could have, you know, get zombified, it might be scorpions. Mm. You know, if there was a zombie bullet, I would fear it no more or no less. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Scorpions are like the bullets of the animal world. The, um, designed only to kill. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. It's the only animal that takes pleasure in killing. I've told you that story, I'm sure. But that's my one brief moment of wikipedia vandalism was adding that to the scorpion page and it got taken down like in like three minutes by some uh. eagle-eyed scorpion fan the, <laughs> the only animal other than man known to kill for pleasure except for the band the scorpions yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. well they kill it every night yeah i know for pleasure oh making songs about natural disasters kill millions. also I haven't been able to find it, but one of my friends once sent me uh, an image of a shirt that was made up like a baseball jersey. And it was this whole website of with different animals. Like it would just say the name of the animal instead of a team. Mm-hmm. And it just said – it had a picture of a scorpion. It said scorpion. And on the it said nature's all-star. <laughs> and I have not been able to find it for the fucking life of me. I've looked so hard. Because <laughs> I would buy the fuck out of that shirt. Like nature's <laughs> all-star. <laughs> the, the, the scorpion is one of the stars of my favorite parable. About the scorpion on the back of the frog. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that is, that's a good parable. I know, right? That's People it. can't change. It's a good double. Scorpion's a scorpion, dog. Yeah. Scorpion's uh-huh, scorp. sucker. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, tr- tr- true or false? People in Arizona raise chickens specifically to hunt down the scorpions in their backyard. Uh, I, I doubt that anyone raises them only for that reason, but from what I've heard, that is an excellent fringe benefit. Just tossing eggs. <laughs> yeah. And <Yeah. laughs> the scorpions. The eggs are Why ammo. Why don't these hard turds keep coming out of the scorpion hunter? Like... <laughs> <laughs> There's somebody that had never heard of eggs. <laughs> I bought these for pest control, but they keep putting out these little round Rots. white things. <laughs> Is this, is this where the scorpions go? Are these scorpion pots? <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh. Yeah. Again, back to the onion problem. They don't don't actually kill the scorpions. They just package them up for transport. <laughs> and yeah. You buy them by the dozen yeah. and send them to your enemies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, did you hear, Timmy? You got popped for attempted manslaughter. Yeah, no, you egged somebody's house. <laughs> yeah, Halloween is just like a crystal knocked level of like tragedy like every year. <laughs> just teens just tossing scorpo bombs and <laughs> through your window. Uh, it's like something a Spider-Man villain would do. <laughs> <laughs> like specifically from the sixties. Like it's like something that J. Joma Jameson would hire him and then regret it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Anyway>. oh. <laughs> <laughs> Man, do you guys read um uh what the comics curmudgeon? No. No, I've never read it. I'm familiar with it though. I've gotten linked to it by searching it's, things or from people. He's he's been um uh, following the the terrible adventures of newspaper Spider-Man recently. <laughs> and the arc that is just wrapping up is Jonah Jameson getting revenge on Spider-Man by somehow having acquired an old set of Iron Man armor. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like really shitty ancient like 60s style bullet head iron man armor with like the slot in the front for his mouth <laughs> it's, uh... having never seen any of the amazing spider-man movies who did they get to play J. jonah jameson 
Oh, um, well, the ones that I saw, it, it was the guy, um, the guy that plays the Nazi leader on HBO's Oz. Hmm. Uh, that, or, those are the those are the original ones. That's J.K. Simmons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the name. yeah, yeah. I haven't seen the I new ones. I don't. Cole's yeah, I haven't seen it, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I should have been more clear. Yeah, because I can't imagine anybody else playing him. Yeah, 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 that, that's one of the best casting triumphs in history. Yeah, yeah definitely. Like, <laughs> Although I kept expecting him to say something really, really racist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, he does seem to like Spider-Man less when he turns black. So. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. I don't know. I never, I've never seen Oz. But it's... I, uh, it's it's ooh, it's really good, but it's it's not something you want to binge watch. I'll put it that way. <laughs> is it is is it that bleak? Yeah, it's super bleak, it, mm. and it it does that whole. Uh, it was sort of the prelude to Game of Thrones style. No character is safe storytelling. Mm, okay. mm. Yeah. Literally, the only thing I know about Oz is that at one point in a season finale, someone takes a shit on another person who's passed out. Yes. Like, I heard that or read that somewhere, and I'm like, oh, that's the, the entire body of my knowledge of Oz, other than that it's about prison. <laughs> yep. It was uh, the, um, the the sort of nerdly lawyer guy uh, who the, who, um, the uh, J.K. Simmons actually spends most of the show tormenting, eventually has, like, a freak out and knocks uh, – uh, I've forgotten the character's name, but knocks J.K. Simmons out with a barbell and puts a weight bench over his chest and shits in his face. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I always liked prison stories. I don't, I don't know if that's because of my upbringing, you know, in a prison. I'm Bane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then, then the shitty movie version of Bane. No, no. But uh, huh. Shawshank Redemption turned 20 this week. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well. yeah. Yeah, it's almost as old as you, Cole. Just about. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. And it always will be. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> that's the way time works. Yeah. Straight line. <laughs> Straight line right to the grave. No. Yeah. I was I was home this past weekend and they were like having events and stuff. I I was too late to get a tour of the prison, which is too bad. Mm. No oh well. They'll let you sneak underneath the poster and crawl out through the tunnel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They have the tunnel actually there. <laughs> nice. Yeah. You can't crawl through it, but it's there. The shit is chocolate syrup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, similar to uh, how in uh, yeah, Night of the Living Dead, how they use chocolate syrup for blood. <laughs> At Shawshank Redemption, they use blood for the shit. So it's the... <laughs> The circle of life. Yeah. You know, if if I ever if I ever write my 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 sprawling fantasy epic satire, the the evil kingdom is going to be called Bloodstool. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, Man, yeah, I know it's it's hardcore, right? Kingdom, kingdoms of Amalur: colon Bloodstool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty metal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh man. It starts out with the wizard telling you that, like, as long as it's bright red, it's fine. Like, if it's bright, it's bright red, it'd be, you'd not be dead. And if it's black, put it back. <laughs> like, like right up there? Yeah. Yes, young knave. And then challenge the arbitrator of, I don't know. The arbitrator of sh- shit. Frost forest. Ugh. Yeah, frost, frost dung. Yeah, frost. <clears throat> <laughs> the, the, the smelliest giant. Um, yeah. 
hello. <laughs> I'm sorry. Are, are, are we doing this? And we all pray that we will have far more soon. <laughs>